Welcome back to Give Me Some Truth. Keith and I are in the booth. It's been a little bit. We haven't been in together in, yeah, in, in a while. Years. Years and even. I don't know about years, but it's, uh, we're doing a what, vibe session? Is that what this is? That, that's this kind is? of the, the, the topic, um, you know, uh, talking about the vibes. Um, because if there are two guys that really like vibes, it's you and I. Totally. Uh, well, and I think really actually we're going to talk about the disconnect between uh, the vibes and uh, people's attitudes. But before we get into that, we, you know, we're those of you who are uh, viewing us on on the YouTube channel can can see our outfits. But we there was some strategic planning that went into each of our outfits because uh, you know we were worried that we might look too much alike. That's uh, right, and we accomplished that. Yeah, yeah. And, and now I think next time we're going to have to totally wear the uniform. Yeah, well, gingham shirts, <laughs> definitely. Um, if you're if you're ever in the office, uh, you know you you may see us, and there'll be like three or four gingham shirts on a, on on average. Um, it just it ends up that way. We've almost had it like a gingham shirt ban. Yeah, in the office. So then everyone started to go away f- away from that, and I think people are having some difficulty because we yeah. need to start going back. I think. I mean, it's it's a great shirt. I own two or three gingham shirts. As do I. Yeah, at um, least. I have a pink one. I have a sky blue, a darker blue. Um, but uh, wh- what are we talking about when we talk about vibes session? I mean, really right now, there's an enormous disconnect between consumer sentiment right now and the actuality of where the economic data is coming in. And so it's definitely worth a discussion and kind of a going through the reasoning behind why we think that sentiment is so bad. I mean, there's, it's multifaceted, certainly. Yeah. Well, and, and so just to, to kind of give you an example, you know, the, the, the jobs report came in this morning. We're, we're recording this on, uh, you know, the, the morning of, of uh, November 3rd. I had to check the date there. It's <laughs> okay. I do um, that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, the headlines on the, the New York Times about the, the you know, kind of the, the report were, you know, largely it's, it's good. 150,000 jobs under normal circumstances, we would be, uh, you know, Pretty good, but the the headline under you know U.S. job growth shows signs of slowdown, but we're still adding jobs under four percent unemployment, very good numbers. And then the headline underneath that is consumer sentiment has become gloomier, but the overall economic picture remains bright. Um, and so it's yeah, it's the measures. And usually when people talk about community, consumer sentiment, they talk about uh, the University of Michigan uh, consumer sentiment uh, survey. And one of the interesting things, and there are a number of ways that you can look at it, um, The Economist uh, about a month and a half ago did an article where they kind of did a regression analysis for seeing essentially how various factors contribute to consumer sentiment. And they, they looked at, I think it was 18 factors over kind of 20 years of this survey, and they assigned each of these uh, an effect on, on the, the, the um, kind of survey. And they said, well, we should be at like 98 on that. And instead we're a far 30, cry. Yeah. We're 30 some points lower than that. Um, the other gap that you see is, you know, a huge gap between people saying uh, about, you know, the state of the economy as a whole um, is bad, but my personal situation is pretty good. You know, I think it's like a seven, like a 25 or 30 point gap between the two, depending on, the time and, and so on. So it's, 
it's this sort of thing that we're talking about. And then, you know, I, I know the plural of data is, or of anecdote is not data, but I think, you know, in talking to our clients, there's a certain amount of negative sentiment that comes along. When we talk to research analysts at the, the various uh, bigger banks that we work with or investment houses or so on, there's a lot of, you know, negative sentiment. You know, I, I, last week, I think it was, we were talking to, to a researcher in, in, you know, one of those areas uh, who had stopped by the office and it was the day before uh, the GDP number came out and it was talking about, you know, we're getting ready for a recession and, and this and that. And then the number was uh, 4.9%, like, you know, blew the doors off. It's phenomenal. You know? Yeah. I mean, record setting. So, you know, there is clearly a gap. And I, I you know, one of the reasons I think we want to have this podcast is people are feeling down. And so, you know, what are, what are, I mean, what are some of the reasons why people are feeling down? I mean, there's, there's so many, I think. Um, number one, I do think that the, the media has just seized on this idea that we're, that recession is imminent and the investment houses are not immune to that too. Yeah. And, you know, if you look at it really objectively and you kind of look at all the, the FRED data, which is uh, the, st- the data that comes out of the Federal Reserve, you know, as interest rates are raised and they peak pretty much every time in history, there is a recession that's come on the other side. And so because we have so much data on that, I think that everybody feels this recession is imminent vibe. And I don't know. I mean, maybe we see one, maybe we don't, but we're a far cry away from these GDP prints of getting into a recessionary environment as far as the data would tell us. So that's one thing. I think we, we do have a ton of tribalism too. I mean, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, there's just a lot of infighting. And so, Oh, Bidenomics is trash, and you know we need to go back to Trumponomics, and then you know Trumponomics is trash, and this Bidenomics stuff isn't so bad, and so it all depends on what side of the political spectrum you're on, and, and either way, you're not feeling as as strong there. But we don't we don't really care about that. We're looking at the data, and the data tells us is that yeah, it's it's pretty strong. Um, you know, if you're an extreme skeptic, you're saying oh, this is just the the hangover from the extreme spending that has happened. Um, and if you're not a skeptic and you're saying you know what, <laughs> you know our economy looks pretty good right now, even though we've been through some, some inflationary times too. Yeah. And I think that's part of the, the, the vibe session, um, or the, the feeling. And, you know, when you look at, at how economists treat inflation numbers have started coming down and they're getting closer to historical averages. They're not yet at necessarily, you know, depending on, and, and inflation is also one of the notoriously hardest things to measure, mm-hmm. one of the, the hardest things to track. You hear PCE, you hear CPI, you hear core CPI, you hear core CPI excluding. And so what people react to is their sort of sense of, of prices. And one thing that people, that economists have said is that even if, you know, if there's a rapid upswing, people feel that for longer than, you know, maybe it happened. Right. So, you know, inflation may be cooling, but, you know, the, the price increases last year. People still go to the grocery store and they're like, boy, that's pretty expensive. You know, you're, I, I do that all the time because I want candy bars to still be 50 cents. But, you know, that's not the, the world we're living in. So I think there is a little bit of an inflation hangover out there. And it's also, I think, why, you know, economists were so worried about inflation when it reared its head, even if. You know, you thought, oh, it might be transitory or something like that, that there there was this need for action, which we saw with the Fed, 
really coming out and raising rates um, and and kind of putting things uh, on on board. The other place where I, I think that that you're seeing this is, um, you know, the the headline in in the Economist piece was a key measure of uh, consumer sentiment is broken, and I think part of it is it's data right now is really hard post COVID because so many things shifted in such a, a small amount of time that people just don't know, mm-hmm. you know, and that's accurate. The, there's the old saw, you know, the market hates uncertainty. I do think as well that the market has played into people's sentiments as well. Yeah. It's not, it's not as uh, fun to trade anymore. I mean, I remember sitting during the COVID time, you know, everyone was going through their COVID depression, but boy, was it fun to trade. And, uh, you know, and then, yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the names that people got kind of sucked into have done very poorly over the last couple of years. Um, you know, Syl just came out and sent us an article where it was like in the S and P 500, you know, there's eight stocks that have really contributed to all the rate of return of the S and P 500 and 492 stocks is basically like even if not down slightly. So, it's not a great market as far as, you know, this is not a broad based, um, you know, stock recovery here. It's, it's very concentrated in the stock. So if you own the exact right stuff, you know, I, we've heard a few clients, Oh, how come I'm not getting S and P 500 returns? Well, cause you're not in the S and P 500 for all your assets. Like, you know, if you're not in the S and P, you really have not had a great investment experience this year or last and so there's, there's, there is that hangover, that wealth yeah. effect, that compounding wealth effect is definitely not occurring right now. Well, and even if you're in the S&P, if you're not in the, you know, right part of parts of the S&P, you know, you're yeah. not seeing it, you know. Um, and, and, you know, related to that, I think if you look at, you know, where the market was at the beginning of 2022 and you talked about the wealth effect to where it is even, you know, after the most recent pullback, people aren't yet back to that high watermark. And that's where a lot of times our, we, that anchoring bias comes into play, right? We, we think the times are good when we're above that anchor, above the previous time. And never mind that that anchor, you know, stock market may have been overvalued. Things might have been, you know, too hot. You know, that anchoring bias comes in. Well, then you normally got the bonds to be that buffer, and that yep. has not occurred since we saw kind of a 300-year flood in the bond market. I mean, yeah. really, it washed out 10 years of returns in the bond market, went to, you know, went to crap, really. So, you know, it is a odd situation in bonds. I do think that there's a, a reasonable case to be made that bonds are going to be sexy again. So yeah. it's, it's not a bad thing, necessarily, that we have this sort of reset, and now we have higher, uh, higher yields in those bonds. And we're getting back to a little bit more normal uh, bond market where you're going to get some money from the bonds that might actually offer you yep. a little bit of that that buffer in the future. No, yeah, you'll be getting that that coupon payment, which you know. Remember, in 2022, 2021, there were no coupons. Bond rates were at zero. You know, and you can do your best to protect because you know rates are going to go up. But I also think, you know, the the speed with which they went up was was crazy. Uh, I mean, crazy fast. You know, the Fed felt they got a little late, to, arrived a little late to the to the party. But the other thing is, you know, when you look at it from a historical perspective, 5% interest rates are kind of normal. Very normal. Yeah. Um, you know, don't want to sound like two old guys sitting around, but, you know, go and, if you're our age, go and talk to your parents about what their first mortgage was in, you know, the early 1980s and what the mortgage rate is. And so 8% mortgage rates, you know, 
historically in range. And so that's one of the other kind of things that I think a lot of, you know, forecasters are looking at, you know, they're like, oh, you know, these interest rates have come up and, and so fast. And, you know, when you're in this kind of tightening cycle, recession will, will follow, but it's not a, a, a typical tightening cycle. We're not, you know, tightening from four and a half percent to eight percent. We're tightening from zero percent to four and a half, five percent. And so that, you know, really changes the, the, the math there. And I also think now, like everything, you know, a lot of back in the spring, a lot of bond market folks were saying, well, you know, that, uh, you know, that, oh, they're, they're going to start cutting rates by, you know, 2024. And they kind of got that one wrong. They got that way wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> people have got to appreciate a bit more about how these cycles just take time. Yeah. You know, the, the Fed raises rates and there's this effect. Usually it takes about 18 months to let these interest rates bleed into the economy, we think about how many times they raised rates and you reset kind of an 18 month clock atop, on top of each one of those. And, you know, there's a lot then that can happen between, um, you know, our recent interest rate increases and the actual impact it will have on the economy. So there's a lot of that to consider. I do think that the hangover effect and kind of the, the negative malaise that we're feeling is that, you know, the Wall Street Journal and others are always printing, oh, mortgage rates hit X amount. And so people feel bad about that but they actually should be feeling the exact opposite way because so many people have really good mortgage rates yep. and you're going, well, thank God you're in a great mortgage rate. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Now you don't have to really worry about that. Um, it does mean that you probably can't move, <laughs> but you know, you know, cause you're looking at significantly different uh, real estate environments than we saw in the past. I mean, it's just, but it, it is also a case I think that, you know, gets underestimated when we think about the American economy, the American economy is flexible. Right. And so one thing that you're seeing is, first of all, you know, higher interest rates, what that means, because the way people think about their houses, they think about their monthly spend. Right. Right. You know, the equivalent of rent with my mortgage. And so that are, you know, with those really low interest rates that pushed house prices high, you know, so as time ticks on, you know, w w you don't usually see house prices fall off a cliff. Right. They just don't increases fast so you probably will see that play out um so it'll take some time as you said but also new home builders are coming in and saying well you know we're building houses we need to build houses uh you know there's a market for these houses hey we'll you know get you a mortgage you know two points lower a pointer you know and that's something you can do as a new home builder that you can't necessarily do when you're purchasing existing stock so you're seeing new homes continue to be built, continue to expand, continue to kind of go in the right in the right direction. So I think, you know, people are underestimating the adaptability. Um, the other thing is, you know, we're talking about these interest rates. We're finally at what, what we would call real interest rates, right? Yeah. Where that's finally where you're going to see the economy grind a little bit on interest rates. Is not from, you know, just interest rates in a vacuum. We're raising from three to three and a half. If inflation is 5%, you know, you're still not feeling that effect on the economy because businesses go, well, I can borrow money and, you know, it's going to be so much cheaper still in the future. So you you haven't seen that yet. Um, and, you know, that 3.5% yield doesn't really matter if, you know, the dollar is decreasing by 5% annually. Um, and so I think that's the other thing. We're finally seeing real interest rates. And so... 
and it's going to take some time for that to bleed out into the into the economy. I mean, people need to get used to that. Um, and then you talk about other consumer sentiment things, obviously geopolitical events. Um, you know, we'd have to mention that as well. Um, so that's one item too. They just feel bad. The negative news cycle continues. Like, has the news in the last twelve months ever reported anything that's positive? I just don't. I think <laughs> yeah. it's just constant negativity. Yeah. So you get pounded over the head with that message that things are bad, and you believe it's bad. Um, but you know, the data really doesn't support that that well. Um, you know, it, it does say the data does say, hey, we might have a little bit of a slowdown right now, but this is not a totally recessionary environment at this point. Um, now, will it happen in 2024, 2025? Possibly. I think it will just take longer than people think. So maybe maybe we should appreciate the happy times that are here right now <laughs> yeah. a little bit because, you know, yeah. the future is a bit more unsettled. I mean, if you look at metrics, the, the market may be a little overvalued right now. Um, you know, if you look just as purely at a price-to-earnings ratio situation, but then again, you got situations in bonds that look attractive. Um, as we say, every time that we meet, you know, international equities appear to be undervalued relative to its uh, U.S. counterparts. Uh, whether or not, you know, international stocks ever take off, I'm seemingly saying that for 15 <laughs> years, but, um, you know, someday they'll have the day on the side. Uh, yeah, we keep saying it's the longest cycle of outperformance on record. <laughs> uh, at some point, you know, things have to change. God knows when that will be. Yeah. Um, but you'll no, be I, out of the industry by that yeah. time. Be like, yeah. we told you, you should have, should have kept on and you'll be like, you guys are 70 and you're like, oh, yeah. I know, I know. No. And, and I think, you know, the, the just kind of as, as a country, every, I think people feel more polarized, more separated, you, you know, there are still lots of kind of bad feelings that came out of the COVID pandemic. And I think it's, it's carrying over, you know, you, you think about, um, you know, I, I think of the comparison to the 1920s. And you had the Roaring Twenties. You know, you had a, a world war and a a, uh, um, a a flu pandemic in 1919. Um, and you know, people kind of came out of that and were like, "Hey, let the good times roll. Let's let's enjoy ourselves. Let's be happy." I mean, it ended in depression. You know, let's not, let's not go there. Anymore. But you know, the idea that hey, you know, things were kind of crummy. Let's you know enjoy ourselves, you know, and I think in terms of how people are acting, you know, they're taking more vacations or doing more of that stuff. It just hasn't translated to how they think about the world at large. You know, people are feeling pretty good about themselves. They're just not feeling good about the world at large. So yeah, some, there's definitely PTSD from yeah. COVID and that will last years. Our mental health picture in the country is quite bad. Um, I think a lot of that was due to a lot of isolationism and things like that, that yep. people have kind of isolated themselves to their um, to their houses, a lot of uh, remote work, um, things like that, that have just changed the whole picture. So for all the positives you have in remote work, there's a lot of negatives there too. And so, yeah, I, I, it remains to be seen about whether we'll see a thaw of that. I would assume we probably would over time. Yeah, a few people were like me who, you know, I, I had friends call me in the early days of the pandemic and they're like, gosh, you sound so chipper. And it's like, well, get to hang out at home with my dog, you know, be left alone. So, um, you know, more people like the, the socialization, I think. Than, yeah, I like that I for about a week. Then I was done with that. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, this, this can go on forever. Oh, just a lot of dog walks and Zoom calls. and In-person Keith is way better than Zoom Keith. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, unfortunately, people only get, get uh, you know, YouTube Keith. But uh, That's true. 
I think uh, good conversation. Hopefully, we you know addressed. I think some of the things that are that are people are feeling in, in the markets, and and you know we we take these things seriously, but we do want to remind people, hey, the picture is is pretty good. You know, um, w- there was the talk of soft landing, and and you know we're we seem to be landing pretty softly. Oh, don't even these. say that. Don't even say that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to jinx us. Yeah. Just say our vibe session, you know, chill out, everyone. It's not yeah. that bad, man. You know, Bro. It's good. Bro, Bro. we're fine. Yeah. <laughs> we're fine. No, we're going to be fine. Even if we go through a session, it's going to be fine. I don't think that we're going to see some, you know, I shouldn't even say it either. You know, some nope. 2007, 2008, Samuel's over there already shaking his head at me. Yeah. Like, don't yeah. say it, dude. Don't, don't. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I do think, you know, uh, Samuel's reaction there is also indicative. I, a lot of people fully didn't feel like they got back on their feet after 2008, 2009 as well. And so, you know, there's all of that talk building in, you know. And I, I think, you know, maybe we need to, you know, talk a little bit about building some resilience in our in ourselves too. You know, it's been a hard 15 years, but it's not unprecedented in human history. I mean... You know, uh, just mentioned World War followed by a pandemic. That must have been fun, you know, in, in the 19-teens. Um, and then you had, you know, seven, eight good years, and then you had a depression. So, um, but, you know, w- the markets will, will chug along. They've they've seen a lot. And, you know, the American the American economy by the numbers is, is in great shape. And more people are working. More people are, you know... People are making more money, uh, you know, adjusted for inflation than they did before the pandemic. So, you know, hopefully things keep keep going along. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Give Me Some Truth. We'll tease also our investment guide. We'll have many of these themes coming up in the next uh, couple of months. That'll be released just after the first of the year. If you have any questions on this uh, podcast or comments, please uh, leave that below. And as Stan always says, be sure to smash the like button. Stan's here in spirit. Walker Condon Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Registration with the SEC does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The opinions expressed by the participants of this podcast are their own and do not reflect the opinions of Walker Condon Financial Advisors. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Viewers are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. You gotta leave your money behind you. Raise your hand to the sky. Ask the masses for silence.